Suilaid, and Michael Vanin to all our elf friends coming up in just a few moments. An elvish and a hobbit perspective on life with what would Arwen do? KUCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. Greetings to all our elf friends. I am Tani Tanuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. You are listening to KUCI in Irvine 88.9 FM, Orange County's alternative radio station and quite possibly the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. Welcome to What Would Arwen Do? We broadcast every Tuesday 4 to 5 p.m. Here from the beautiful Shire-like campus of UC Irvine in Irvine, California. So my Govanin and Suileid, and to my charming Hobbit co-host, who is calling in through the wonderful technologies, well, the wonderful technology of phone lines. Are you there, Dill Hobbit? My Lalongstown at your service, and greetings to all of our friends listening on the airwaves. Also... To the folks listening to our live streaming at KUCI.org, where we stream music and public affairs 24 by 7. Also, thanks for listening on our podcast. You can download it the day after, usually, at KUCITalk.org. You can also find us on iTunes or by searching for Arwen, A-R-W-E-N, and What Would Arwen Do will pop up there as well for a free download. Isn't technology wonderful? It is. (laughs) And here it is joining us because we have to be in two different locations. I mean, surely this is an elvish technology that we are enjoying today. (laughs) It's either wizard's work or elvish Ah, magic. I don't know which. Indeed. Well, the elves and the wizards both knew about the Pelantiri, which were the seeing stones that allowed them to see and communicate over long distances. So this might be the modern-day version of that. I think a little bit um, advanced, even. So if you are tuning in for the first time, dear listener, you may be wondering what this show is all about. What would Arwen do? Well, if a Middle-Earth elf lived today in Southern California, in Irvine, to be more precise, what might her life look like? How would she, as a modern elf, celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the preservation of Earth, its beauty, resources, and creatures? Some people like to ask, what would Jesus do? And that is a very good question. But on this program, when challenges in life arise, or as the wizard Gandalf puts it, questions, questions that need answering, we like to ask, 
what would Arwen do? Who was Arwen, you may be wondering? In J.R.R. Tolkien's mythology of Middle-earth, Arwen was an elf princess, the daughter of Elrond, a prince among elves and lord of Rivendell, a magical place of healing lore and wisdom, perhaps not unlike the community here at UC Irvine. Arwen was also a beloved daughter of the universe, as are all the women of this fair celestial home, called Earth, or an elvish Arda. I believe Arwen understood the principle of noblesse oblige. With great privilege comes responsibility. She embodied the archetype of a true princess of the light through her courage, wisdom, beauty, her sense of humor, and her service to others. In Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, A Guide to Middle-Earth, Colin Durias wrote, In his invented mythology of Middle-Earth, Tolkien intended that his elves were an extended metaphor of a key aspect of human nature. This, quote, elven quality in human life was a central preoccupation of Tolkien's. Elves, like dwarves, hobbits, and the like, partially represent human beings. In Tolkien's mythology, elves represent what is high and noble in humans. In particular, they represent the arts in their highest form, work done in the image of God and his created world. So our <clears throat> hope and desire is that you will be inspired by uh, what we talk about here on the show, uh, guests that we have occasionally, things that we uh, bring to your attention, and that you will be inspired to gifts of nobility and service to others. And uh, welcome again, Alinda Lee. Alin Salah Lumen Amentielvo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting. And Milo, you might have some special um, greetings to make. I would, I'd like to say a special hello to anyone who might be listening either online or here in uh, Southern California, especially perhaps Ro listening in from Escondido or Vana and Guru from up in Washington. And uh, those listening in through podcast very often up in Canada and in the Midwest and in the East, even as far as the fair land of England. And so hello to all, uh, all of our friends. Yes, I'd like to say a special hello to Martin, who occasionally listens in in the evening from Toronto mm-hmm. and usually gets the podcast when he can't because he is a traveling ah. man. He likes, to, you know, he likes to travel a lot like one of the rangers. He's very much a traveler. And uh, Chuck and Donna, who may be listening to the podcast hereafter. And also to my old college chums, Len and Roy and Chez, who may be listening back in Cleveland and Michigan. A special hello to all my nieces and nephews who listen from time to time on the podcast. Great. Well, um, I'm very excited that we have KCI is one of the radio stations, a few radios, college radio stations that actually does have uh, streaming live internet and uh, that our podcasts are available through iTunes. So it makes it uh, great for those who would like to listen in at a later time to be able to access the program. So could you tell people again if they want to listen, because they can listen both through, to the podcast both through iTunes and through the KUCI website. Isn't that correct? That is correct. So the program name is What Would Arwen Do? And you can find it one of two ways. You can go to our own KUCI set of podcasting resources by going to the web and dialing in KUCI Talk, that's T-A-L-K, K-U-C-I-T-A-L-K dot O-R-G, and looking for What Would Arwen Do? Or you can go into the iTunes store 
and search in the store for Arwen, A-R-W-E-N, and you can find what would Arwen do there as well. And both are free downloads. And we have many very interesting and very worthwhile programs from the past that are available. Yes, and in fact, we're right in the middle of a KUCI DJ training. We do trainings every single quarter here at uh, UC Irvine for people who would like to have either a public affairs show and get training as a talk show host or uh, a music show and get trained as a DJ. And we will be having another training coming up in the fall. So in case you are interested or you might be coming to uh, UCI as a new student or you know someone who might be coming here as a new student, you might uh, tell them about our website at KUCI.org, and there will be announcements uh, up there about uh, the next training that will be coming up probably in early October. And also don't forget that the elf would love to hear from <laughs> you, so Indeed. don't forget to send emails. We love emails. We love questions. We love comments at askanelf at yahoo.com. That's A-S-K-A-N-E-L-F at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, indeed. I I love to get uh, little missives in the mail, uh, whether you, something maybe if you like the show, if you don't like the show, if you would like to talk about something, um, we would just love to hear from you. And so I want to apologize uh, to you, dear Hubbard, and to our listeners that uh, this elf has a little bit of a scratchy, scratchy voice today. I've got a little, little something that I've been trying to um, get away from. But <laughs> so um, we. Uh, we have some announcements today. We're going to be hearing some things from the professor. And, dear Hobbit, you have, uh, thank you for graciously offering to do a little reading. Uh, before we jump into our news and announcements and uh, theme and topic for today, do you have uh, some movie report that we can, let me get a little uh, Hobbit music going because, of course, we have the Hobbit movie report because what's happening in December 2012? On December 14th, 2012, the worldwide premiere, the, the first run of The Hobbit, An mm. Unexpected Journey, opens Friday, December 14th, 2012. First of two films that Peter Jackson is making based on The Hobbit and the time between the time of The Hobbit book and The Lord of the Rings book. Yes. Now... My understanding is, because uh, I think this happened before with the Lord of the Rings movies, don't they actually premiere even before that in New Zealand? Yes. Uh, there is uh, an open question if you go to the various discussions resources. Certainly the biggest community is at uh, what we call Torque, the OneRing.com. There's also some community discussions at the OneRing.net, mm-hmm. we call Torn. Yes. Um, so there is an active discussion. Certainly, my expectation is that the world premiere will probably occur in New Zealand again and may occur the day before. Ah. So the true premiere may be actually on Thursday, the 13th of December, 2012. Mm. We shall wait and see. But there's movie news about December 2012. There's lots of interesting movie news today. Oh, wonderful. Well, let's jump right into it, dear Hobbit. Well, stop the presses, Elf Princess. Okay. Guess what? John Riss Davies may be returning to Middle-earth. Now, you'll remember in Lord of the Rings, he played Gimli the Dwarf. 
he also did the voice of Treebeard. Yes. Well, this great Welsh actor was interviewed by Hey You Guys, a wonderful movie website in England. Mm-hmm. Hey You Guys dot co dot uk. It's H E Y U G U Y S dot co dot uk, and they had an exclusive interview, and they talked a lot of things, his current movie and so forth. But at one point, they say to him, "So you're currently in Holland." And I've been reliably informed you're off to New Zealand. Is that for some Hobbit-related purpose? Question mark. And John Rhys Davies replies, "It's for marital purposes, as I have a wife and child there." Right? He is he is married. Uh, his his uh, his uh, significant other is Lisa Manning, who is a former TV show morning talk show host, and he has with her a daughter Maya. So that's his thing. And, hey, you guys, responds, ah, I didn't know that. We saw you on the set of the latest Peter Jackson Productions diary. What was it like going back, and is there any chance you might come cameo in it? And John replies, quote, I would love to. I've had a great sort of 180-degree turn. After I did The Lord of the Rings, I didn't want to get near prosthetic masks ever again. <laughs> I still don't really, and I didn't want to play a dwarf, to be honest with you. Why be one of 13 when you can be one of one? As time comes between you and the horrors of that makeup, slowly you begin to see things through rather rosy spectacles. I did go down and see him, that is Peter Jackson, and I did come as close to groveling as you can get. (laughs) I'm sure that Peter knows that I groveled. So the interviewer says, so you haven't had confirmation that you're in it yet. And John replies, I haven't had confirmation that I'm not. But realistically, I'm not. It sure would be sweet if one could. Let me tell you about it. I believe Peter Jackson has everything that a director needs. His organizational ability alone is completely remarkable. I think it will change the way films are made. I think he's upping the game for every other filmmaker in the world. Projecting the new films in 48 frames alone is going to give a level of clarity that we've never had in movies before. Mm -hmm. And I think he's housebreaking the 3D process. He is such a grounded, level man with all the characteristics that a great director must have. Added to which, he built a film industry in New Zealand from scratch to an international level. Marvelous intelligence and a marvelous, modest nature. Peter has got it all. (laughs) Indeed. So that's that's probably the biggest piece of movie news. Well, be... Go ahead. Before we move on to something else, I'm so excited about that because just before the show, I was actually on the Internet looking at the production videos, and production video number three actually has a short little piece of it where John Riss Davies Davies showed up at this recording studio in New Zealand, and I actually have it um, queued up here. And I thought we would just play it for our listeners as a little teaser in case they um, haven't had a chance yet to go to Peter Jackson's website, which is thehobbitblog.com. And uh, here's a, is, um, I'm going to play this little clip from John Riss Davies. Uh, so here we go. Hopefully this will all work. I don't think you'd invite any dwarf to dinner, actually. I wouldn't have them all together, though. Not 13, maybe a couple at a time. <laughs> Special, special person yeah. to meet here, John, John Rhys Davies. Yeah. It was fun on one of the days that we were in Bag End with the dwarves that John Rhys Davies came to visit. Oh, yeah? And um, it was great to introduce him, not only to, to Gloin, who's his father in the story, but also to all the, all the other dwarves. Hey! Hello, my boy. 
It's just like coming home to family. <laughs> I predicted what John would say, and he pretty much said it word for word. I could just imagine, you know, him saying, "Oh, you." Poor bastards. <laughs> That's pretty much what he went on to say. You poor buggers. <laughs> when he gets you running up the hill in full armour, you'll enjoy that. But you are going to be spectacular. And you'll be chased by women all around the world. <laughs> but, only, but only if you're in costume and makeup. <laughs> And That's that was wonderful. that was Peter, uh, which is is true. It is funny because people, uh, even uh, having gone to some of the fan uh, things, of, you know, when through Lord of the Rings, fans they do so love to see them in costume. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's, 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 again, if the if the listeners have not seen the three production videos, there's several ways to get at them. There is Peter Jackson's foot Facebook page. If you go to www.facebook.com slash Peter Jackson NZ, the final NZ means New Zealand, of course. Mm-hmm. And and you can go to the onering.net, and they have links there as well. But when when the folks at Hey You Guys asked what it was like to to be back on set in this interview in the in England, mm-hmm. John replied, "Quote very much like going back to your old school where you've been cock of the walk." and suddenly realizing that there was a whole new generation of new cocks walking around, and you were just politely being treated as one of the quite distinguished old boys of the school, but not really today's news. It did have a very nostalgic feeling, and that's how it should be. Time has moved on. Lord of the Rings was state-of-the-art, but now it's long live the Hobbit, Mm. which is the new state-of-the-art. Yes. And that's so true. So so he might be doing... um we, you know, it would be like a cameo role because I forget the exact relation, but he is Thorin Oakenshield's well, a relative, but is it his uncle, grandfather, or something like that? Right, and so uh, my suspicion is that if John Rhys Davies makes a cameo, mm-hmm. it will be in probably a different role. I think a different role. Mm. He's a very flexible actor. If you've yeah. seen him in the Indiana Jones movies, yes. uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark series, Victor Victoria, Sahara, he is really a very, very flexible actor. He can be many different things. So I wouldn't be a bit surprised because Peter Jackson likes the family feel on set mm-hmm. to see him back. But we have other movie news before oh, time runs okay. out. We've what, got what, lots what, of movie else, news. what else do we have going do you like cloth, Elf Princess? I certainly like the feel of a good piece of cloth. Oh, yes. We, we elves love especially the silk and linen, you know, things that are natural, natural fibers. Well, speaking of linen, one of the finest linens in the whole world is the scalpe linen from Scotland. Mm-hmm. And guess what? That special linen cloth from the Western Isles of Scotland has been ordered for the new film, The Hobbit. Ah. Galpe weaver Sheila Roderick has supplied 100 meters, that's about 320 feet, of linen for use in the latest screen adaptation. And you can find all the details about Scalpe linen at scalpelinen.blogspot.com. How do you spell that? Scalpe is S-C-A-L-P-A-Y-L-I-N-E-N dot blogspot.com. 
And when you see the pictures of the goats and the sheep and you look at the description of the weaving, and mm. it's, it's quite a beautiful website. But that's not the only beautiful website. You know, as Hobbit mania grows in this country, <laughs> yes. there are more and more things. The Daily Mail, which is a United Kingdom newspaper, has a wonderful website, Daily Mail. .co.uk, and they recently talked about the Hobbit House in Montana. Yes, Montana, the state of the United States. Mm. It turns out that even though the movie's not out until 2012, as we know, there is a Montana man who has created a 1,000-square-foot Hobbit-themed guest house on his property in Montana. And it's situated in northwest Montana, about a three-hour drive from Spokane, Washington. It is just a cutest little thing. Again, I would urge people to search for Hobbit House Montana on Google in the, in the mm-hmm. internet and find these beautiful pictures of what he's, what he's done. Um, a gold ring, which figures prominently in Hobbit lore, rings from a rafter. The rustic wooden furniture is all custom made. There's one king bedroom and a small Hobbit guest room in this house. They all come with XM radio and flat screen HDTs and Blu-ray CD player, <laughs> all these newfangled things too complicated to figure out. And you can rent it out daily for a fee, but when you do rent it, you get wonderful little add-ons like authentic-looking garb, costumes from the from the movies, including one-size-fits-all Harry Hobbit feet, authentic <laughs> handmade Gandalf wizard hat, oh, how walking staff, the large slingshot used by the trolls. They're uh-huh. available to guests that stay with no additional charge. There's also a library of CDs for guests to uh, listen to. So, how so fun! That, there's so much fun. The other the other thing that was so much fun is we we read this week in movie news and other movie news the Lone Ranger. Johnny Depp's and Gore Verbinski's project for Disney has been canceled for its December 2012 release. And they're renegotiating the budget because Disney claims it's budget overruns. Well, cinemablend.com points out that even with that cancellation, even though Zack Snyder's Man of Steel has moved back to June of 2013, right, December 2012 is still crammed with potential blockbusters. Quentin Tarantino's Django Unchained. You have Ang Lee, the guy who won the Oscar for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm-hmm. He's got a movie called Life of Pi. Philip Noyce, the great Australian director, coming out with Hunter Killer. Right? Mm-hmm. They're all going up against each other in that three-week period. And so my feeling, Elf Princess, is something has got to give. These other films cannot stand up against uh, Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. As Cinema Blend <laughs> points out, uh, it turns out that in franchise history, has shown that one of these adaptation movies comes into theaters, it stays number one for at least three weeks. So you really don't want to go up against The Hobbit, is my feeling. You want right. to behave yourself and, and, and be careful. And one final piece of, of movie news. I really love John Noble's performance as Denethor yes. in Lord of the Rings. It, when you see the extended edition, as we did in the theater mm-hmm. a couple months ago, his really textured performances, Denethor, which you see develop over the two towers into um, the Return of the King, he is really a fine actor. Well, he's hosting a new TV series that starts Wednesday, August the 31st, here in the United States on the Science Channel, called Dark Matters. Oh, really? And he says, quote, 
stories we share in Dark Matters are as outlandish as a great science fiction script or as disturbing as a classic horror tale. The only difference is that they are all true. Hmm. Noble continued, the series offers a glimpse into the dark side of science as well as human nature. So that is, that's a little bit of movie news to give you a taste for, of what's happening. There's always a lot of commotion and exciting things. I urge folks that are interested in following the news, OneRing.net is a wonderful source of uh, news on the movies and related people, Lord of the Rings movies, and so forth. And if you're looking for a community of people who share a passion for all things Tolkien, um, anything from discussing the books to just hanging out and being supportive of each other in your personal lives to role-play writing stories, the scriptorium, art, Music, movies, uh, news about the movies, and um, there was just an Oxford moot that there was a lot of um, letters and you know things posted about the all these people over in Oxford that got together for the tenth annual Oxford moot. Then you might want to visit the message board, the One Ring dot com, Torque, and. Uh, become a member there and uh, join join the community of passionate people. So the wonderful thing about the Internet is that there are so many ways, and the wonderful thing about these books and these movies that there is that there are so many ways and so many venues to um, explore and enjoy them. It's very true. And by the way, don't shut out the thought of romance, dear Elf Princess. It turns out that uh, there are people who have actually gotten married through an initial contact on Torque, if I'm correct. Yes, yes. Uh, wouldn't that it, absolutely? Uh, absolutely. I, my dear friends, Vana and Guru met on uh, the one ring, and, and there's probably I think it, like ten or fifteen couples that that um, met through that message board and got married just through that one message board. So you just never know. And there's also a lot of other wonderful um, message boards out there for people who are interested in Tolkien through the Tolkien Society. Um, those who are interested in the languages with. Um, ELF, the um, Elvish Linguistic Fellowship. Uh, but anyway, just you know, Google Elves or Google Tolkien, and, and you'll find all kinds of wonderful ways to connect with other passionate people about J.R.R. Tolkien. And in case you are just tuning in, I am Tani Tenuviel, and my dear Hobbit co-host... Milo Loam's down at your service, Elf Princess. Here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and streaming live at KUCI.org. And... <clears throat> Amazing as it is, we are already halfway through our program, so we need to get to some announcements, dear Hobbit, and to some readings by yours truly, yourself, and um, the professor. But prior to that, I would like to make, um, I just want to announce for our friends that uh, we've talked in weeks past a bit um, about the exhibit that's currently going on right here in um, the Southern California, Irvine, Costa Mesa area, uh, Newport Beach area, Speak for the Trees. And next week, we will be interviewing Jeannie Denholm, who is the owner and curator for Scape Gallery right here in Corona Del Mar. And I'm very excited to have her on. I was able to go on a little um, elvish adventure with her. She took me over to the House of Balsamic Academy uh, here in Irvine. It's over on uh, 5 Mason Avenue, Suite 100 in Irvine, the House of Balsamic. And they have a lovely, large facility there with um, just an amazing 
exhibit of the Speak for the Trees. Scape Gallery is in Corona Del Mar, and it is quite lovely, but it's a much smaller venue. So this exhibit and many of these and these artists will be there uh, through September 5th, and we will be interviewing Jeannie next week, who put together not only the show at Scape, but also at um, House of Balsamic. So in the meantime, if you'd like to check out either either uh, place, the website for Jeannie's, Jeannie at Scape Gallery is scapesite, that's S-C-A-P-S-I-T-E dot com, and uh, for the art that's at House of Balsamic, that is House of Balsamic, B-A-L-S-A-M-I-C, houseofbalsamic.com. But, uh, so I'm very excited that we will get to continue to uh, bring to awareness of our listeners the wonder and beauty of trees. And so today I thought, um, dear Hobbit, we would play a little reading from uh, J.R.R. Tolkien from the, um, the Old Forest. That is just a lovely, lovely thing. There's, there's, there's one sad thing about the Lord of the Rings films. The one sad thing is, from the standpoint of cinematic construction, uh, Philippa Boyens and Fran Walsh and Peter Jackson, when they did the script, needed to cut out the character of Tom Bombadil, which we all love so much. Yes. And he appears in the old forest. And what a great chapter of the book that just a great chapter. And I'm just absolutely thrilled that um, the powers that be from back in the, you know, in the day when uh, the, the books were published did not remove the chapters of uh, about Tom Bombadil to an appendices or something. So they're, they're very tightly woven with um, Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin, you know, before they uh, meet up with the rest of the fellowship. But... Um, and from a literary standpoint, when you look at the progression of chapters, right, you have uh, the shortcut to mushrooms, a conspiracy unmatched, unmasked the old forest, and then at the sign of the prancing pony, fog on the Barrow Downs. It is, from a literary standpoint, it's a way for Tolkien to ratchet up another level of the relationship among the hobbits. Yes, and a deepening for once Treebeard actually is introduced in uh, the Two Towers, right. you know, because, you know, he's he's an int, he is the tree herder of, you know, and so there's that very close connection to the old force. So we're going to play, actually, a song of Tom Bombadil, and, in, and then, um, my dear Hobbit, you are going to very graciously read a section um from the book in the old forest and then we'll be playing another song by the professor himself and read by the professor himself so this is the part where uh the hobbits all four of them have come um and they've gotten themselves into the old forest and they sat down and they're resting and then um frodo kind of falls asleep and falls in the water and he accuses the tree of of throwing him in and um and Sam's a little bit doubtful. And then they kind of um, come around to the other side of the tree and discover that Pippin has been completely swallowed up by the tree. They can't even see him. And Mary's been swallowed up halfway. His legs are sticking out. They decide, they have a little hatchet, but they don't think that will do much good. They decide to light a fire. And um, that, 
is not a good thing. Poor little um, Mary says, "Stop, stop!" He says he'll 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 you know compl- he'll cut me in half, and so Frodo goes running along the says um, here. But Frodo, without any clear idea of why he did so or what he hoped for, ran along the path crying, "Help! Help! Help!" <laughs> so from there, we're going to play here um, the track of what happens when someone shows up. So here is J.R.R. Tolkien with a reading from The Old Forest from the Fellowship of the Ring. Hey, come merry doll, derry doll, me darling. Like goes the weather wind and the feathered starling. Down along under hill, shining in the sunlight, waiting on the doorstep with cold starlight. Very pretty lady, river woman's daughter, slender as the willow wand, clearer than the water. Old Tom Bombadil, water lilies bringing, comes hopping home again. Can you hear him singing? Hey, come merry doll, derry doll, and merry o, goldberry, goldberry, mellow, yellow berry o. Poor old willow man, you tuck your roots away. Tom's in a hurry now. Evening will follow day. Tom's going home again. Water lilies bringing. Hey, come merry doll. Can you hear me singing? Frodo and Sam stood as if enchanted. The wind puffed out. The leaves hung silently again on stiff branches. There was another burst of song, and then suddenly, hopping and dancing along the path, there appeared above the reeds an old battered hat with a tall crown and a long blue feather stuck in the band. With another hop and a bound, there came into view a man, or so it seemed. At any rate, he was too large and heavy for a hobbit, if not quite tall enough for one of the big people, though he made noise enough for one, stumping along with great yellow boots on his thick legs, and charging through grass and rushes like a cow going down to drink. He had a blue coat and a long brown beard. His eyes were blue and bright, and his face was red as a ripe apple, but creased into a hundred wrinkles of laughter. In his hands he carried on a large leaf, as on a tray, a small pile of white water lilies. Help! cried Frodo and Sam, running towards him with their hands stretched out. Whoa, whoa, steady there! cried the old man, holding up one hand, and they stopped short, as if they had been struck stiff. Now, my little fellows, where be you going to, puffing like a bellows? What's the matter here, then? Do you know who I am? I'm Tom Bombadil. Tell me what's your trouble. Tom's in a hurry now. Don't you crush my lilies. My friends are caught in the willow trees, cried Frodo breathlessly. Master Mary's being squeezed in a crack, cried Sam. What? shouted Tom Bombadil, leaping up in the air. Old man Willow? Not worse than that, eh? That can soon be mended. I know the tune for him. Old gray Willow man, I'll freeze his marrow cold, and if he don't behave himself, I'll sing his roots off. I'll sing a wind up and blow leaf and branch away. Old man Willow. Setting down his lilies carefully on the grass, he ran to the tree. There he saw Mary's feet still sticking out. The rest had already been drawn further inside. Tom put his mouth to the crack and began singing into it in a low voice. They could not catch the words, but evidently Mary was aroused. His legs began to kick. Tom sprang away, and breaking off a hanging branch, smote the side of the willow with it. You let them out again, old man willow, he said. What you be a-thinking of? You should not be waking. Eat earth. Dig deep. Drink water. Go to sleep. Bombadil is talking. He then seized Mary's feet and drew him out of the suddenly widening crack. There was a tearing creak, and the other crack split open, and out of it Pippin sprang as if he had been kicked.
Then, with a loud snap, both cracks closed fast again. A shudder ran through the tree from root to tip, and complete silence fell. Thank you, said the hobbits, one after the other. Tom Bombadil burst out laughing. Well, my little fellows, said he, stooping so that he peered into their faces, you shall come home with me. The table is all laden with yellow cream, honeycomb, and white bread and butter. Goldberry is waiting. Time enough for questions around the supper table. You follow after me as quick as you are able. With that, he picked up his lilies, and then with a beckoning wave of his hand, went hopping and dancing along the path eastward, still singing loudly and nonsensically. Too surprised and too relieved to talk, the hobbits followed after him as fast as they could. But that was not fast enough. Tom soon disappeared in front of them, and the noise of his singing got fainter and further away. Suddenly, his voice came floating back to them in a loud halloo. Hop along, my little friends, up the withy window. Tom's going on ahead, candles for the kindle. Down west sinks the sun, soon you will be groping. When the night shadows fall, then the door will open. Out of the window panes, light will twinkle yellow. Fear no older black, heed no hoary willow. Fear neither root nor bough, Tom goes on before you. Hey now, merry doll, we'll be waiting for you. And that is J.R.R. Tolkien from the audio collection. And thank you, dear Hobbit, for that reading. And that was from which book? This is from The Lord of the Rings, the section, The Fellowship of the Ring, the chapter, The Old Forest, here on KUCI FM Irvine. You're listening to What Would Arwen Do? And indeed. So um, that that was wonderful. I love that whole chapter, and I it's just... Um, in case you've only seen the movies uh, and haven't read the books, this would be uh, a great encouragement, perhaps, to someone to take up the books and discover the wonderful Tom Bombadil. He's very wizard-like. He's kind of like uh, somewhere uh, an elf or a wizard, um, has a great um, sense of command of the forest, and uh, I love how he loves to sing a lot. So I think the elves would have very particularly loved old Tom Bombadil. Yes, and there are so many wonderful things in the books, um, Elf Princess. Not only the Old Forest, which is probably the greatest single chapter that just gives a whole new set of feelings and information and, and literary cross-references. You'll notice in the first song that you played that under hill is something that is it's a phrase that occurs. And, of course, uh, when he is traveling, Frodo travels as Mr. Underhill. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of references. But more than that are the songs. Not only do you miss Tom Bombadil in the movies, but many, many of the songs and poems that make The Lord of the Rings so wonderful are not present in the movie. Right, right. So, for instance, one of the favorites is the ring goes south. There is a wonderful song. I sit beside the fire and think of all that I have seen, of meadow flowers and butterflies in summers that have been, of yellow leaves and gossamer in autumns that there were, with morning mist and silver sun and wind upon my hair. I sit beside the fire and think of how the world will be when winter comes without a spring that I shall ever see. For still there are so many things that I have never seen, in every wood, in every spring, there is a different green. I sit beside the fire and think of people long ago, and people who will see a world that I shall never know. But all the while I sit and think of times 
there were before, I listen for returning feet and voices at the door. Mm. It's just a tremendous, tremendous song that is, is, is in the chapter The Ring Goes, goes South. Uh, Bilbo, of course, singing The Old Hobbit. Yes. The old Hobbit Bilbo. Yes. Well, and, uh, yeah, the amazing poems that are in the book, and, of course, the whole long, beautiful tale of Tenuviel that um, Strider sings uh, to the hobbits around the campfire. So um, we do do have some announcements of things going on uh, to let our listeners know about. Um, I thought I would transition with just a little bit of music, and I was going to play... Um, some tree beard music, but it's you know I, it's just so dark it, from the 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 two hour soundtrack, and so I'm I found something on the Rarities Archive, and this is the Eaves of Fangorn, and uh, so I thought I thought I would oh I hope that I hope is I this the disc that accompanies the music of Lord of the Rings by Doug Adams? Yes, and what I'm, a great book! What a great set, little CD that's packaged up with the book. Yes, and I'm hoping that I have the the tracks uh, numbered correctly. So let's see if we can catch a little bit uh, from the Rarities Archive, The Eaves of Fangorn. This is Academy Award-winning music from Howard Shore, and this is KCI in Irvine. Dear Hobbit, we're not going to play the entire track because it's a little long and we do have some other announcements, but beautiful music from the Rarities Archive. I love this. If if people are lovers of the music of uh, Howard Shore for these movies, um, there are, of course, the original soundtracks, the extended, uh, the complete recordings of all of the soundtracks, but then there is this additional little treasure of the Rarities Archive, which um, is mov- music that was never actually used um, in the um, in the actual movies. Well, I don't know if some of it, Arwen's song actually got worked into something in Return of the King, I believe, don't you? Right, but uh, these fragments that Doug Adams collected over his long period of creating the book, since he was really involved since near the beginning of the film shooting, they're, uh, they're, they're things that as he has presented them on the CD, as presented were never used. There were right. themes that were reworked and so forth. Yes, but, yes. And there's the beautiful Eleanor song in here, and there's um, Arwen's song, which we do hear in the movie, but then there's an instrumental part of it. So it's it's beautiful. Some of these I wish would have made it <clears throat> into the movies, but I'm just happy to have them here on this little CD. So that was the Eves of Fangorn, and uh, I could just picture them running across those plains of Rohan. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And- the cinematography is, is just unbelievable, and I'm so excited. The great Academy Award-winning cinematographer Andrew Lesney from Australia is once again doing the cinematography for the Hobbit movies, mm-hmm. this time using newer technology. But technology is not everything. Right. <clears throat> John Rhys Davies is correct in saying that they're going to look <clears throat> stunning because of the 48 frames per second. Yes. But that isn't everything. There's a lot to be said for the beauty of lighting and shadow 
and Andrew Lesney is a master at that. Indeed. Well, I wanted to make a couple of announcements, my dear Hobbit friend, about um, some things that are going on here locally and that are coming up. One thing also, um, Katie Tilford, our amazing um, general manager here at KCI and the DJ host of Bunnies in Space, a very popular show here, um, forward a message to us today, and I wanted to let people know that this is just a news release from the University of California, Irvine, uh, uh, that the UCI libraries are going to host a talk by the NPR correspondent David Fulkenflick. And uh, this event, <clears throat> David Fulkenflick, natural... National Public Radio Correspondent will visit UC Irvine for a public talk entitled, How Can We Trust the News? Presented by the Libraries Association of UCI and the UCI Libraries, Fulkenflick's stories are broadcast regularly on such NPR news segments as Morning Edition, All Things Considered, and Talk of the Nation. He has provided insightful coverage of Rupert Murdoch's News Corps phone hacking scandal and edited Page one, Inside the New York Times and the Future of Journalism, which features essays by reporters and media experts on the state of American journalism. And uh, copies of this uh, book will be available to purchase at the event. Now, when is it going to be? It's going to be from 3 to 5 p.m. on Tuesday, August 23rd. So that would be a week from today. In the Social Science Lecture Hall, Building 212, Grid F9 on the campus map. So the Social Science Lecture Hall here at the UCI campus. Uh, This is free and open to the public. So reservations which are encouraged may be uh, made at, uh, there is a uh, website, http colon forward slash forward slash partners.lib.uci.edu, Fulkenflick, which is F-O-L-K-E-N-F-L-I-K, or by contacting Mary, I'm sorry, Catherine Jager, Jager, K-J-E-R, at 949-824-8521. Again, it's 949-824-8521. And media interested in attending the event should contact Laura Rico at 949-824-9055. And uh, so that's going to be a free lecture open to the public and to anyone around this uh, week from today, uh, sponsored by the um, UCI Libraries. So wonderful things going on here on the campus of UCI, even before <clears throat> the fall quarter starts. Isn't that exciting? It's absolutely true. There's so much fun things. Since you mentioned Bunnies in Space, we have many wonderful programs on KUCI, both music and public affairs. Uh, Bunnies in Space is 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. on Wednesdays. I urge our listeners to go to KUCI.org and click on the top where it says Schedule, and you'll see the full panoply of all of the many programs, very rich programs in jazz, hip-hop, classical music with Michael Rudzinski. We have tremendous public affairs, writers on writing, etc. It's just too tremendous. 
Well, and that's a wonderful thing that's going on here at uh, UC Irvine. I wanted to mention also for our friends um, just an encouragement to get involved in volunteering. Volunteering is one of those things in life that can change your life and enrich it on so many levels. Um, All of us here at KUCI are volunteers. Um, from our general manager, all of our managers, our program directors, all of the DJs, all of the talk show hosts. And it has been a wonderful, enriching, life-changing experience for me. And there are wonderful and various ways to in, to volunteer um, all around where you live and here in Orange County. And one of the things that I'm always very excited to inform people about is the annual Coastal Cleanup Day, and it is coming up again this year on um, the third Saturday of September, Saturday 17th from 9 to 12, and uh, we'll be talking a little bit more about this since we're almost out of time today, but you can find out more information. One of the places you can go to is the back is the website backbayesciencecenter.org slash coastal cleanup. And I think if you go to the backbayesciencecenter.org website, um, you can find information about the uh, 27th annual Coastal Cleanup Day. And this is a day that you can um, volunteer your time to clean up trash and debris from around the bay. It's a day that um, they organize groups large groups and small groups. It's one of the few days that you can actually go into different uh, parts of the bay because generally those are all off limits because of protecting the habitat there and a lot of endangered birds and endangered species that they don't want to disturb uh, the habitat and nest them. So this is one of the days that uh, they organize this event and go in and really do a major cleanup. And what is the purpose of cleaning up the bay, you may ask? (laughs) And that One of those is not only to clean what was once a pristine habitat for uh, the animals and creatures there, because the things that are littering the bay are not things that they've brought in, but things that we have uh, brought in or sent. And uh, all of the things from... um, that wash into, once they go into the bay, the next step is that they wash out into the Pacific Ocean. And so a lot of these things have come in from the Santa Ana River. And every time you put something in your um, in your drain or throw some uh, oil in your driveway and wash it down and it runs down into the street, all of those things make their way into the back bay, as do lots of uh, plastic bottles and, and styrofoam no cups. There's no need to do it, Elf Princess. Every community now has recycling centers where you can take that stuff and get rid of it. Right. It only takes an additional minute, and it makes it so much better for all the human beings and all the animals in the air underneath the sea. Yes. And so this is a wonderful day. It's just from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. You'll meet a bunch of wonderful people. You'll get outside, get some fresh air, feel good about something you're doing, Uh A couple of friends of mine, um, Barbara's daughters, uh, granddaughter and her sister are going to be, um, we're going to be having a princess sleepover. And since princesses love to volunteer, and I'm the elf princess, they are princesses, that's what we're going to be doing Saturday morning from 9 to 12. We're going to be over um, helping to clean up the back bay. However, you don't have to live right here in Newport Beach. If you want to go to ocparks.com and look under Adopt-A-Park, they are doing 
this in all in so many. It's actually all up and down the coast of California, but all of uh, lots of parks. Every everything from Aliso Creek, Santa Ana, Brea Laguna, Huntington Beach, Westminster, all the way down to Dana Point, San Clemente. Santiago Creek, Tribuco Canyon, all of these places have parks where you can go and volunteer for the day to help clean up the parks and communities and watersheds in your area. I mean, there's there's all kinds of activities, everything from Anaheim to Tribuco Canyon here in Orange County. And yes. So, uh, and with that... <laughs> That's the end of our time today, dear Hobbit friend. Oh, Elf Princess, I know. Wait, we only just started. I know. Thank you so much for calling in, and thank you to all of our listeners for uh, spending this time with us and uh, hopefully being inspired to uh, go out there and find something to do. I mean, uh, it's wonderful to think about things, but action, action makes things happen. And it Have an things- adventure. Have yes. an adventure. <laughs> You'll be better for it. Your community will be better for it. The environment will be better for it. Have an adventure. Yeah, and you never know who you might meet. There's always wonderful people to meet, especially when you get involved in volunteering activities. So until next week, and I hope our guests will come back and join us next week for our interview with Jeannie Denholm, where we will be talking about the exhibits of Speak for the Trees, both at Scape Gallery and at the House of Balsamic in Irvine. And if you'd like more information, you can visit the Scape uh, Gallery site, that's Scape site, S-C-A-P-E-S-I-T-E, in Corona Del Mar. Or you could uh, call um, Scape Gallery at 949-723-3406, 949-723-3406. Or you could come back next week and spend some time with us and Jeannie. It sounds great. I'm eager to see you in person next week. Elf. Yes. Thank you so much for calling in. So until next week, for all of us, Ellen Salalumin Amintielvo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting. Dear Hobbit, I think we'll have to play a little, um, a little music of Into the West from my friend Colette Aubrey. Great. So until next week, thank you for being here. Namaria. And here is a little... Academy Award winning music sung by Colette Aubrey of Colette Aubrey and the Shanti Soldiers. This is KCI in Irvine. I'm Tani Chenuviel and this has been What Would Arwen Do?